Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Spiritual March Madness. <laughs> Joshua fifteen sixty-three. Uh, March Madness. Why do we love watching March Madness? Not all of you, but why do many of us like watching March Madness? It's the upsets, right? We love to see the upsets, uh, as long as it's not our team getting upset. Uh, we, we love to watch the upsets. And every year, you see these stunning upsets. Uh, this year, a number 16 finally beat a number one. Crazy, huh? Just crazy. But um, these sure bets that are just stunned in, in the basketball games or... Or every year you'll see some really good team just cruising along. Looks like they're just going to win the game easy and the wheels come off somehow. And, and next thing you know, this other team is coming back and they hit a big shot. And it's just crazy what, what you see, how, how these, these upsets happen. Well, I call this spiritual March Madness for a reason. Because spiritually, the same thing often happens to us, doesn't it? We let our spiritual victories slip away. We let them slip away just like we see in the basketball games. We let them slip away. Even if we have a victory and it's pretty much assured, we oftentimes can get upset spiritually and let it slip away. We're going to see this happen to the Israelites today. The Israelites, once again, they're taking a physical end, but this is all about us claiming our spiritual promises. It's a physical battle. We are fighting a spiritual battle. But the, all the lessons there are for us. Every one of them is connected to us and, and our spiritual battles. And we're working our way through the book of Joshua, and we're finishing up chapter 15 today. And we've been going through the, the inheritance that each of the different tribes are getting their inheritance and how this is once again a picture of us getting our spiritual inheritance. Every inheritance they get Physically, you can connect the dots to the New Testament and, and the Gospels and see the spiritual, inheritance, spiritual inheritances that we also should be claiming, that they're ours too. It's also Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, and we find a backdoor connection, which we'll see in just a minute. We find a backdoor connection here to Palm Sunday because we're, gonna, we're zeroing in on Jerusalem. And we all know what about Jerusalem is, right? Jerusalem, for the first time in the book of Joshua... Uh, the, the city of Jerusalem, and also a very vital lesson, a vital lesson that comes so easy to miss. It's so easy to miss the, these really key lessons. We can just kind of read over and zoom over something and miss it because everything in God's word is there for a reason. There's a purpose, and, and, and there's these hidden jewels that are really, really easy to miss. Um, I brought something to kind of give an illustration to that. Uh, I brought something I found in the creek not too long ago. It's a, an Indian cutting tool made of quartz. Now, why did I bring this? Because I love to show off my, 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 my collection, first of all. But also, I found this, and how long do you think this was in the creek? Long time, right? How many t- people, because it was on a hiking trail, how many people do you think stepped right over this? Many, many people. Why did I find it? Besides, I'm special, but why well, else I, I find it? <laughs> Blast, you know, because I was looking for it. I was looking. I reckon I was looking for this. It's a piece of quartz. Very rare that they would use quartz because it's real hard. But once they did use it, it lasted forever. And I looked it up. And I was googling it, and and it's a it's a cutting tool. And the guy was saying they were probably skinning with it, you know, uh, the animals. But I found it because I was looking. 
And many, many people, many times spiritually, it's the same thing. We have to be looking. We have to be like, not just you know, briefing over the Bible, but really looking for those, those hidden jewels that are just awesome, awesome. And this is one of them. This is an amazing verse. You're going to be <laughs> thinking, wow, after we get done with today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Palm Sunday. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for each person that you brought here this morning. And we know that we're here for a very special reason. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word now. We pray for your mercy and grace for this to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. So, right in the middle of all these inheritances in chapter 15, we're just going to look at one verse, but it's enough. Verse 63, Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites lived there with the people of Judah. The battle for Jerusalem started a long time ago. You read, the new, you read the news or watch the news or whatever you do with the Google the news. There's a battle for Jerusalem still going on today. But it started a long time ago and it's still going today. Why, why is this place so important? Because God chose it to be important. In fact, in Ezekiel 5.5 5 it says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem, which I've set in the center of the nations, with countries all around her. God put Jerusalem in the center of the nations. That little teeny country with this little city. It's an awesome city. If you've ever visited, awesome. But it's God's chosen city for the entire world. It's the belly button of the world. That's why it's such a hot button today. And God promised it very specifically to the Israelites, and they were commanded to take it. But they didn't fully possess it until, who finally fully possessed it? Anybody do their homework? King David, until King David finally conquered it. And they won't take it for good, they won't take it for good until the son of David comes again, until Jesus Christ's second coming. Now, why didn't they fully take Jerusalem? It was promised to them. They were said, you can take it anytime. It's yours. Why didn't they fully take Jerusalem? And to look at that, I want to look at some biblical history lessons here, which are also some very important lessons for us. Very convicting. One verse, but very convicting. The first time Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible is where? Anybody know? I know it's really tricky unless you had some real intensive Old Testament study. The first time is about 2100 B.C., 4,000 years ago, 2100 B.C., Abraham rescues his nephew Lot. Remember, he was taken captive by this coalition of kings that invaded uh, the Sodom and Gomorrah area, and they captured Lot, took him prisoner. And Abraham, miraculously, with 300 guys, goes off and, and defeats this whole big army. In fact, let's, uh, I'll just read a couple verses here. Genesis 14, starting with verse 17. After Abraham, Abram, it wasn't Abraham yet, right? After Abram returned from defeating Kedor Leomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, that's Jerusalem, all right, that's the initial naming of it. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most 
high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Woo, first time. Melchizedek is the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem. All right, that's the original name of it. He was also a priest of the one true God. Interesting, huh? You see, there was still a remnant in the world, even before God called Abraham, called Ab- Abram, renamed him Abraham. Before that happened, there was still a remnant that hadn't turned to idolatry in the world. God had kept that remnant. They still sacrificed to the one true God. And he was a priest of the one true God. And we know from Hebrews that Melchizedek is a type of Jesus. He's a type of Christ. He's a picture of Christ. It's a great study if you want to get into the book of Hebrews and really study Melchizedek. It's a great study. And Melchizedek, look at this. Melchizedek brings him bread and wine. Communion, which we'll be celebrating not next week because of Easter. We'll do it the next week after that. He brings bread and wine and he blesses Abram. And Abram gives him a tithe, a tenth of all, he ha- of all the plunder that he t- took. Connect the dots. This is a picture, a picture of Jesus Christ. So even 4,000 years ago, with the first mention of Jerusalem, we see that it is a very important spiritual place. Very important spiritual place. God always had his, his hand on Jerusalem. The second time Jerusalem is mentioned is about 30 years later in Genesis 22. We're not going to study that today. We're going to study it next week. So uh, study ahead, Genesis 22. We're going to do it next week on Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be a wild connection to everything we're doing. But in Genesis 22, just a little preview, a little hors d'oeuvre here, God commands Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. Okay? And we're going to talk about that next week with the connections. God led Abraham to make that sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Thank you. To Mount Moriah, uh, which is in modern-day Jerusalem. That's what we call Jerusalem today. Can you guess the exact spot? Don't say it. Wait till next week. The exact spot. Next week, we're going to talk about that. And next week, we'll see that God supplied a substitute for Isaac. And we are starting to connect some dots here, aren't we? Wait till next week. It's a great Easter uh, Resurrection Sunday sermon. So So then the next time we find Jerusalem after that in the Bible is in Joshua 15. Third time. The next time is Joshua 15 when the Israelites are claiming their inheritance, which brings us back to Joshua 15, 63. I'm going to read it again here. In Joshua 15, 63, it brings us back to Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. Why didn't they drive them out? If God commands something, and we don't do it, what is it? Yeah, sin. It's disobedience. It's disobedience. We can make all the excuses, we can rationalize all we want, but the bottom line is if God says do something and we don't do it, it's disobedience, it's sin. And it costs them the enjoyment of their full inheritance. They still got a lot of their inheritance, but they didn't get their full inheritance. And that's what sin does. And disobedience robs us of enjoying what God fully wants for us. 
He doesn't say, don't sin because, you know, I don't want you to have any fun in your life. That's not why God says don't do things. He knows that sin will rob us of our full fun. It will rob us of the full blessing, the full joy, the full peace. All that God wants us to have. Sin is a lie. It's a lie that robs us of God's full blessing. So anything that God says don't do, calls it sin, is not to take away our fun. It's to ensure that we fully enjoy this life. That's the whole purpose of it. So it costs them their full inheritance. But then let's, let's just go ahead to ju- the book of Judges, the very next book. In Judges 1.8, we see something good happens. Verse 8, the men of Judah attacked Jerusalem also and took it. They put the city to the sword and set it on fire. Oh, there we go. They finally take it. And they all live happily ever after, right? Oh, let's go a little further. Verse 21 in Judges. Judges 1.21. The Benjamites, however, failed to dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the Benjamites. What happened here? They're back. You know, what's going on? They're back again. It's like that horrible. Remember, we're back. Some of you older, I remember that movie. Yeah, not going to name it. You know what I'm talking about. What's going on here? They're gone. They're there again. They're gone. They're there again. What is going on in Jerusalem with the Jebusites? What's going on? The uh, a hint, Judges one twenty seven, a couple verses down, gives us a, another hint. It says, But Manasseh did not drive out the people of Bethshan or Tanakh or Dor or Bleem or Megiddo and their surrounding settlements, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. Now we have a hint. Why they didn't drive them out. And as we go through Joshua, we're going to see other reasons why they didn't drive out the Canaanites and termites and the parasites and you know we were joking about all the ites here earlier but they were determined to live there and this is a picture of sin sin is determined to stay isn't it you could be a christian a long long time and you know sin is determined to stay it's always there waiting they were determined you ever deal with something that's really determined I was trying to think of a good, a good illustration. This morning I remembered something. I remember when I was growing up on, 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 the, on the farmhouse, and squirrels were determined to live in our house. They would get into our house, and they would bring their store nuts. And we, every once in a while we had the, the old farmhouse, and there were certain places you could actually look through the, the old horsehair plaster walls and stuff. And, and you look in, and there's all these nuts in there, you know, that they would, had brought in, you know, and, and stored in the walls. And they were determined, and we would do our best to keep them out. My parents would block up the holes, and, and we'd try to catch them. One time we caught a little baby squirrel, I'll never forget it. My mom caught it in the house. It was running around in the, the radiator there the heating unit and she she caught it in a little towel and we all got to pet the little baby squirrel and then she cooked it for dinner no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding she did it i couldn't resist you believed it though didn't you they're actually pretty good but anyway you didn't eat that one so we put it outside we just kept catching put it out blocking them off trying to get rid of them they were determined to live in our house. Didn't matter what we did, and I'll never forget. I was, uh, I must have been about a freshman in high school because we were still taking the bus to school before my brother starts driving. And so there was a squirrel every morning. He must have made a nest right above my bed in the wall there and the ceiling there. And every morning, early, they get up early. These squirrels, digging, digging, clunk, clunk, smack, smack, scratching. And I'd wake up early, and I'd 
hit the wall and that stopped for a little while and I'd go back and say, then scratch crane of little nuts rolling around, all that stuff. I'd get up, I'd hit it again, you know, I'd kick the wall and, and this went on day after day and pretty soon I'm getting pretty tired, you know? Uh, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning and finally one day I said, that's enough. I, as determined as that stinker was to live in, on my wall, I was determined to get rid of them. So I went outside, and I knew where they were coming in because there was this tree right near our house, and you could see them every once in a while running along the branch and jumping into the house. There's a little hole up there. So I knew where this one was coming in, and so I went out there with my shotgun before school, and I was just waiting. And I was waiting, and I was determined to get this thing. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting and waiting. I went and got some breakfast. I came back out, went and, you know, I'm, you know doing all this stuff, waiting, getting ready for school. And he would not come out, and, and he wouldn't come out. And, and finally, I saw him come out, and he ran down the other side of the tree. They're really smart, those squirrels. They're smart, smart. They go down the other side of the tree. He saw me, went down the other side of the tree, and I'm like, but he's going to come back, and I'm waiting and waiting. And now I hear the bus coming. The bus is coming down the road, and it's stopping at each house, stopping. It's coming closer. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. I'm sitting there with my gun, come on. And then I saw him peek up. And he, he starts running along the branch, and, and he hides, and he, you know, you ever done squirrel hunting, you know, they're tricky, tricky, right? And, and Bob's determined to get this determined squirrel, and just as the bus comes pulling up to the house, he made his run for it. He ran along the branch, and he jumped for the house, and boom, I took him out. <laughs> it was quite a shot. I took the shotgun, and I set it down on the porch, and I ran right onto the bus. Right onto the bus. It's no big deal where I'm from. You know, the teacher, the, the bus driver didn't think anything of it, you know? Now, the Israelites didn't do that. They had these squirrels. They had these Jebusites. They kept letting the squirrels back in. And you've got to be determined to stop the determined, right? They, they let the squirrels back in. They let victory slip away. Slip away. Can you believe that? They work, God promises it. They take this city. Everything's going great. They're enjoying Jerusalem. Then they let the Jebusites sneak back in little by little. They let them come back in. They give up ground. Next thing you know, they take it back over again. Can you believe it? How dumb was that? To fight so hard to finally break down the stronghold and only to let the enemy back in. How could they be so spiritually stupid? Really, I mean, we would never do something like that, would we? I mean, <laughs> you might know someone else like this. You might know someone else like this, that someone who got a victory over an addictive sin, you know. It's a sin, addictive sin. But that they reopened the door after a long time and let, they had to deal with it all over again. You might know someone like that. You might know someone who lived in victory for years over something. You remember this person got saved and got freed and everything was going great, great, great. And then one day they slipped back into that and next thing you know they backslid. And next thing you know they're in bondage all over again. Nobody here but you might know someone like that. We're all that, aren't we? This is for every one of us. We constantly (laughs) let this happen, right? This lesson is for us today, and there's more. This lesson is all us, but there's more. Back to Jerusalem. Because they let the Jebusites back in to Jerusalem, and the Jebusites, once again, are a type of sin, a picture of sin for us, because they let them back in, the Jebusites finally retook the city, and the the Israelites weren't allowed back in it. They actually took it over. 
completely until 400 years later, this guy named David, King David, comes along and he reconquers Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 5. It's a great story if you want to read it. 2 Samuel 5. Then he brings the ark into Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 6. And then he starts in 2 Samuel 7. He starts preparing the, the temple. He's going to build the temple. Which God says, no, it's not for you to do. Your son Solomon is going to do that. So Solomon, his son Solomon ends up building the temple in Jerusalem in a very interesting spot. I'm not going to tell you because that's for next week. A very interesting spot. Next week, do your homework, study it. So David takes it. They build the temple. Everything's super. Solomon builds the temple. Everything's super. And they all lived happily ever after, right? Wrong. Wrong. Unbelievable. God actually appeared in the temple. Remember the, 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 the fog, he appeared in the fog and, and he came in and he was vi- visibly, the, 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 the glory of God's spirit came in and they saw and Solomon talked to God and they all lived happily ever after. Wrong. Solomon started worshiping idols, which you think, how could that happen? Except we know what our own life is like, right? How often we slip back into idolatry. And they ended up turning away from the one true God to worship false gods. And God sent division into their country. You said, you're not going to worship the one true God. You're going to have division. They split into ten and the two. The the country ended up, the kingdom ended up divided. The country ended up divided. Sound familiar? Since we've turned our back on God, boy, this this country is divided. There's a reason for it. It's one of the signs of God's judgment. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar comes along and and completely conquers Judah. He destroys the temple. He destroys the city of of Jerusalem, completely wipes it out. And it laid there for 70 years in complete ruin until God called two guys. Ezra and Nehemiah. All right, to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the temple. They come along, they bring a remnant back to the city, and they, they, they rebuild. Nothing close to what it was at one time, but still, it got rebuilt. And they temporarily regain Jerusalem for a little bit until Rome comes along and enslaves the entire world and, and dominates the world, including Israel and Jerusalem. Which brings us to 30 A.D., about 30 A.D., when Jesus Christ, the son of David, rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Remember Caleb's daughter, Exa, on the donkey? There's a reason. That's a royal ride. That's like riding the, 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 the limo in, right? And it's a sign of royalty. And this should have been a victory lap. Jesus comes in for the, for the triumphal entry. This should have been a victory lap. But it turns into 2,000... More years of heartbreak for Jerusalem. 2,000 more years of heartbreak for Jerusalem. In Luke 19, Jesus says why. In Luke 19, verse 37, it says, When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully, joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And that's exactly what happened. Rome completely destroyed Jerusalem. And Israel ceased to exist for almost 2,000 years. Until just as Jesus also prophesied. 1948. Some of you remember, some of you witnessed the prophetic resurrection of the, the, the nation of Israel. And Jerusalem partially regained by Israel. You witnessed that. But still today, the Jebusites continue to contend for Jerusalem. And the battle is, you see, you see it's in the news constantly, right? The battle will continue until the son of David's second coming. The second coming, when Jesus Christ will finish the job at his second coming and the final, the final, the ultimate triumphal entry. It says, Revelation 19, read a couple passages here in Revelation. You want to see the first Palm Sunday was just the preview. Of the second one. In Revelation 19 verse 11 it says this. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse. Whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The ultimate triumphal entry it's going to be a Jesus that much of the world, many even in the Christian churches, are not going to recognize. Because it's not the Jesus that has been preached in many churches. The true Jesus Christ. And when he comes, when he comes, there's going to be a new Jerusalem. A brand new Jerusalem someday. Revelation 21. In Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. How's that sound? Ooh, 
the, the life that we are always intended to live, the life that we are always supposed to have, will be made new. We're going to have that new. Are we ready for Jesus Christ's ultimate triumphal entry? Are we ready for the second coming, the real triumphal entry, or will we miss out? The question we all have to ask ourselves is, are we ready for it, or will we miss out on it? Just as many, so many missed the first one. Just as so many missed the first coming of Jesus Christ. And we have to make a choice. In Revelation 22, it, it really lays out our choice here. In Revelation 22, verse 12, he says, Behold, I am coming soon. This is Jesus talking. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. We have a choice to make, every one of us. The choice is life in Jesus Christ or the lies of the world. And he lays those both out there. The life in Jesus Christ or the lies of the world. And the only way to get that life in Jesus Christ is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and and giving him control of our life. That's the only way to have that. Are we, have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to him? Have you ever surrendered your life to him? As Christians, maybe we've done that, but are we living the God, are we living the life that God intends for us? Are we living that life now? Are we enjoying our full inheritance? Are we following the world's lies and and that temporary fun, which ends up really killing, it's not fulfilling, it ends up killing. Are we doing that? Are we enjoying our full inheritance? Or have we let our victory slip away? Have we given up ground that has already been taken? What is our Jerusalem? Who are our Jebusites? What are our Jebusites? And this is a battle every day, isn't it? We become a Christian. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. We see victory after victory. We're moving forward. And then we're tempted to let those Jebusites in, to to give back that victory. Palm Sunday. As you get your palms today on the way out, I want it to be a reminder, because we're getting ready for Easter, and wait till you see next week, a wild passage. But as we're getting ready for Resurrection Sunday, I want the palm, I hope the palms will be a reminder, don't give up the victories. Don't give up the victories. Don't give up the ground that has been taken by Jesus Christ, the, the Son of David, that he won for us on the cross when he died on that cross and broke sin's power, when he rose from the dead to give us a brand new life. Don't give up any ground he has given us. And if we have given something up, I hope this week that it's a time of real prayer and a real battling and a real surrender and a real time of repentance and conviction that we prepare for a resurrection Sunday by by starting that battle again, by, by taking back old ground. Let's pray. 
And we go, as we go to this time of prayer, I want to just remind you that we always have a prayer team for the prayer time, for the worship time at the end, for they'll hang out till they'll miss their lunch. They'll, they'll be here and just pray with you and, and encourage you. Anything you need prayer for, there's always a prayer team up here. But as we go to this time of prayer, this Palm Sunday, that I pray will be a reminder that Jesus Christ came to give us victory. Victory over sin by dying on that cross in our place. Victory over, over Satan and over the world. Uh, the promise of a brand new life in Jesus Christ, which was proven by his resurrection from the dead. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have this new life in Jesus Christ? Are you ready for Jesus to come again? It could be any time. It's prophetically being set up any time. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you have that life in Jesus Christ? It starts the moment you give your life to Jesus and it goes on through all of eternity. If you're not sure of that, you can be sure right now. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. The simple prayer of faith. A prayer from your heart to God's heart. God, I put my faith in Jesus. I turn away from the sin. I turn away from the garbage. I, 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 I repent of anything in my life that goes against what your word says. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just been given life. Life forever with God someday in heaven. But you don't have to wait till heaven to start enjoying it. It's a life that begins right this second. A brand new life in Jesus Christ. power to fight spiritual battles, the power to let God transform your life. You will never forget this Palm Sunday because your life will never be the same. Let somebody know that you've given your life to Jesus. If you have a friend or a family member here 
want to come up and tell the prayer team? You want to tell me on the way out? You want to fill out the card in the bulletin? You want to text me, call me? Let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit convicting us? How is he calling us to prepare for Resurrection Sunday? Maybe he's calling us to retake a Jerusalem in our life. To take a stand against the Jebusites, the sins, the temptations, the struggles in our life. to live in the victory that Jesus Christ has won for us. And many times it's just recognizing that we've let down our guard, that we have to live by faith in God's mercy and grace. Father, I pray that this Palm Sunday would be a day of victory for each one of us. Pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts. That we would be determined to persevere. To live out the full inheritance to claim all the promises that you've promised us. And I know some of us are really struggling, Lord. I just pray that you would lead each one of us to just the right person that could encourage us and pray with us and hold us accountable. And Father, I pray that this week would prepare us for a, an awesome Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.